0: It's just where our hearts are, Lord, that you do deserve all the glory and all the praise. And God, as we just transition out of spending time together, and just worshiping and praise you, God, we just open our hearts right now for you to take it in the direction that you need it to go. So just plant, Father God, your truth and just your seed of, of righteousness right now. let bring a harvest in our life. And I just thank you for your faithfulness in that. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you. Hey, glad that you are here on the way in. They hand you the notes for this weekend. Uh, there are a couple of fill-in-the-blanks, so you'll need a pen or a pencil. Or you can do notes via the online you version of the notes. And if you learn best by listening, that is uh, fine, too. There's only one quick announcement that I have, and then we'll jump right into the teaching. Uh, first part of June, I think it's the second, if I remember right. Um, we have the concert that uh, one of our own, Thomas Ewing, uh, is the opening act for, and we thought it would be neat if our church um, were to go and support him. So we sold about 410 tickets uh, for that. So that will that'll be enough to influence how it goes at Fiddler's Green that night. And uh, if you haven't uh, picked up your ticket in the foyer tonight, when the service is over, uh, please stop out there, and uh, you can you can get your ticket. And I think there's still time to order. Uh, never mind. Uh, just uh, yeah, I just put panic on uh, Amy's face, so no tickets are available. However, I'm scalping mine for several hundred dollars if you really want a if you really want a ticket. Okay, uh, here's here's uh, here's what we're going to do. Um, this weekend there is a world famous triathlon, uh, triathlon in Kona, Hawaii called the. Do you know? Iron Man. The Ironman. Good. I'm glad that you know what it is. Uh, the Ironman consists of all triathlons do, but the Ironman consists of uh, in a place that's difficult to do this. It uh, begins with an open ocean 2.4 mile swim, which um, you know, in and of itself, you can walk two miles, but try to swim it in the open ocean. Um, and being in Kona several times, you can go to the pier where they enter the water and you look out. It just doesn't look that far, but it's a, it's one of the more difficult parts of the triathlon is to make that swim. Then you get out of the water and you jump on a bike and you ride 112 miles. And uh, you're doing it in Kona has so many different variations of microclimates that you start in a very right next to the water in a very... Um, sort of cool is not the word beautiful a beautiful part of the island and then within uh... you know five six seven miles you're in what looks like a desert lava fields uh... hot wind is blowing uh... generally it is uh... it's coming against you so that you're fighting it and you begin an uphill climb on a bike to uh... a little town called Turn around, and then come back now that parts downhill but somehow the wind tends to reverse itself so it's like, it's like your father when he went to school, uphill both ways. That's what this is like in this, uh, in this triathlon. Then uh, you get back at the point of basically exhaustion, and then it's to test you. You do a full marathon, which is 26 uh, miles that you'll get off and you'll run. And they do this uh, back-to-back. And then they actually have super triathlons where they'll do several of them in a day. And I, um, I, we, we have connections With uh, youth with a mission in Kona and I've spoken at it several times and uh, three of our children uh, went there for some of their schooling so Chris and I ended up in Kona when they ran the Ironman at several different times and we've actually got some people in our church that are professionals at it and I went over and watched one of our own run the Ironman one time and watching it um, I got this idea that I thought I could do it it just seemed to me that in my, anybody else in your head, you're still 18 years old, right? So I, I just, I feel, I, when I wake up, I don't feel 55, I feel 18. And I think when I was 18, I could have run it at my, you know, at my best. And I still feel like I could do it. So just, I kind of, I watched the swim and I drove uh, the path the day before they did the, the race to see how, how tough it was. And I thought, you know, half of it's downhill. I probably could do that part pretty <laughs> Pretty well, And then the running part, if I had a good pair of shoes, I think I could probably take that thing on. So I looked it over and I thought, man, I, I, that would be a dream is to run, run the Ironman. And it just so happened that uh, within a week of that time, we were doing uh, a life day um, at, uh, at Redstone. And we had a 5K. So I thought I'll test myself out first. And I'll see if I can run the 5K. And if I can do that for sure, I'll enter the Ironman and I'll be... <laughs> Be good to go. And so I entered the Jubilee 5K. This is about 110 people or something like that. And in my age group, I came in last. It was, uh, it was really an interesting, an interesting uh, thing. And so um, if, you, if you are a, a, a competitor, uh, and especially a finisher in the Ironman, you get this visor right here. And so uh, somebody dropped theirs, and I, I got this. Um, Laughter. And so I keep it in my car, and every once in a while, someone will say, have you run the Ironman? And I'll say, you see the visor, don't you? And usually, you don't have to say anything else besides that. There's just such respect for this visor right here. So here's just the thought with that. Um, You recognize, because we laugh and we joke, and maybe you see some of yourself in the humor, is that we tend to think uh, in terms of so big that we can do that. And in reality, to ever get to that level, you've got to be able to do the small things well first. And we tend to fool ourselves because if we can't do the small thing, mm-hmm. how will we ever do the great big thing? If you can't run the 5K and finish the 5K, how will you ever even enter into an Iron Man? And so in our minds, we tend to think oftentimes like, you know, I think I could do that. And there's not a lot of reality in that thing right there. And it's in, it's in testing yourself in the smaller things that you find out whether or not you're ready to do the bigger things, and that's where this series comes from for the next month. It's called All In, with the idea that when we throw out um, a phrase like that, let's go all in for God, you realize for as many different people as hear that right there, there's a different idea of what it means to go all in. Like, does all in mean we're going to run a triathlon spiritually tomorrow, or does all in mean that will begin with a 5K and progress up to a deeper level of all in. What is all in? And how do we do all in? And I think I'm probably more guilty than any other pastor on our staff because I teach more with the idea of standing up and always trying to encourage let's go all in, man, let's, let's, do, let's give it all for God. What does that mean? And if you are going to do that and you have a heart for that, how do you do that? What does it look like? And how do you get there? Is it a triathlon or do you begin with a 5K? Or do you just walk around to get the mail at the end of the block and get back to your house? So how do you go all in and what does it look like? And how about this thought right here? I found this little video that was kind of funny that I think illustrates um, the idea of, of how difficult it is to go from zero to a hundred on YouTube, they have an entire genre of people jumping on treadmills when they're at full speed. And I went through many of these to find the one that I thought represents the idea of how do you go all in? What does it look because if you try to go all in and you're not ready, it'll turn you upside down. And I wonder how many people spiritually just think how many people spiritually they want to, but it's like, how do I go from zero to 100? Mm-hmm. And we never really teach on the practical part of how do you get there spiritually? Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. We're going to look at significant areas of your life and what it means to go all in. So, watch this video real quick. I think you'll like it. <laughs> Oh, it gets better. (laughs) (laughs) The best part is when the guy's shoes go flying off of him. And what I liked about that right there is that at the end of it, he plays it off like, I meant to do that. And what you couldn't hear, I think it was his father who was kneeling down on the computer right there. His father's just laughing hysterically and not looking at the guys. So just real quick, I wonder how many people with the intention of really doing good when the pastor stands up and talks about let's go all in with our lives, jump in and find themselves topsy-turvy like that and then try to play it off like I'm doing good (laughs) when maybe you're not doing so good. So I thought, how about let me pastor you with the idea of what it means to go all in. And there's a scripture that I want to use as um, sort of our foundation through the series. It's in uh, Matthew. Jesus himself has asked the question, and by the way, um, so that you know, so you're like, have I heard him teach from this passage before? This is like, um, it's a real simple understanding of why I will use this over and over for as long as I, um, as long as I teach here. Uh, it would be found in this. It's Jesus himself speaking. He's answering a question. Um, the guy asks, what does it mean to go all in? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I continue to go back to the scripture because if the one that we follow and that we call Lord says this is the most important thing, then it's more than teaching on it one time. We continually come back and measure ourselves by this scripture right here. The most important thing is to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, and then to love other people like we love ourselves. That's how we measure whether or not we're going all in. So this is where I'll begin with a real wide message on what it looks like to go all in, how you go all in, what are the steps that you can take. And I wrote in my note this little saying that, Chris and I use with each other, and we raised our kids on this. Change doesn't happen in one day, but it happens daily. And over a lifetime, little changes make the big thing, don't they? So I'll give you these three things that I think, if you want to go all in with your life with God, if you want to find out what that looks like and how you do that, rather than trying to jump up and go from zero to 100 and ends up topsy-turvy, maybe do these things on an ongoing basis and watch what happens in your life. Here's the first one if you want to write it down. The parable of the seed. The parable of the seed. All through the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, there's a reference to what the seed does in the ground, and it's always connected to a spiritual principle. So it uses a physical thing that we can understand, that when you plant a seed, if you give it the right nutrients, water, and fertilizer, and protection, if you give it the right thing and enough time, eventually it will produce a plant, and the plant will produce a crop, and before you know it, you've got a harvest. So all through the Bible, from the beginning to the end is the idea of how the seed works, and it's always connected to a spiritual principle. So change never happens in a day, but it happens over a daily Lifetime of making right decisions. So the parable of the seed, Mark chapter 4, maybe the most uh, familiar scripture on the seed, Jesus again teaching, said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters what? Seed on the ground. And then look at this principle. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, whether he's paying attention or whether he's distracted with something else in life, the seed sprouts and then he gives this progression and it grows, but he does not understand how it happens. It's just something that God set in uh, in order. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a little leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed and finally you get the harvest, the grain ripens. So he gives the principle of the seed. Here's a thought right here. Seeds are small, we realize that, Big days come from small seeds. (laughs) The things that we enjoy in our life right now, with our children, in our marriage, with our church, in relationships that we have, man, they have taken many small minutes to equal the big thing that we get to enjoy right now. The parable of the seed is that you start with small. Do the small thing with God. Read five minutes in the morning and watch where you'll be in a year. Spend your time. Give God 10 minutes of the beginning of your day between you and him and watch the spiritual growth in your life in six months. Take your money right now that may seem like I don't have enough to make ends meet. Set apart a little bit for God, a little bit. Never think, like, like if, if we're taught give 10%, which is a great rule of thumb, but so many people are so leveraged with their money, they think I can't give 10%, so they never give anything. God doesn't work just on 10%. God can work on one-tenth of 10%. It's the principle of the seed. Do something. And watch what God will do with it if you give him something. But give him the first part of your something, the first part of your day, the first check that you write. Even if it's not the amount you want to give, write it first. Pay God before you pay anything else. Wow, thank you for that great amen. Amen right there. Okay. We'll, we'll move on from that one. How about this? Uh, my wife, when we first started the church, we came from, uh, as an associate pastor at a really large church in Northern Colorado, I was busy all the time. The, the summer before I left to, to come and plant the church, I did 30 weddings in a four month time period. So I was doing some of them two times a Saturday. Uh, through uh, starting from, I, you know, m- maybe like the 1st of April running through August. I just, I, I was so busy. I never woke up and thought, hey, what am I going to do today? It was decided months before that time. And so we make the move from that very uh, busy lifestyle and that very um, demanding schedule. And we come to Denver to start a church and um, there's not, n- nobody knows we're here. Right. I, some days Chris didn't even know I was <laughs> trying, and we rented this little office space uh, where the Top Golf is over by Centennial Airport. Can you think where I'm talking about? There used to be a little uh, building right there. The guy owned all that property, and uh, he was retiring and getting ready to sell all of that out where they developed it. But he had a little office space on there, and I rented. It I was three or four thousand square feet. He charged me 800 bucks to rent it. Um, and it was a real old building, and I was the only one in the building. And so I put a phone line in there, and we put up signage, and I, I, I had, you know, I tried to make it look like an office. I even got some volunteers to come down and answer the phone, so at least it would appear like we're a church. But they were, you know, volunteer, and so I would, I would have to take them when they could do it. So I would go into my office every day, and I would try to just busy myself with, like, okay, I'm going to study. I'm going to develop, uh, you know, my, I'm going to keep my, my, my calendar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be disciplined with my time. And, and if I do this now, then, you know, it's someday it's going to pay off. And, man, I just real quick, this, just being honest with you and after two or three months and the phone's not ringing and and nobody needs help and nobody we we could have folded and gone away and nobody would have ever known we were here. So this listen real quick, I was discouraged. And I would go home and and you know, walk in and not I want to be strong, but I also want her to encourage me. You ever been there? So here's how you do that. You don't have to say anything. Just do this right here. Just what's wrong? Nothing. Uh, are you okay? Uh, one day I'm going to run the Iron Man. don't worry. Um, <laughs> so she'd go, uh, "Are you discouraged? I'm discouraged. Nobody, nobody needs us. I think we made a terrible mistake. I, 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 I wonder if we can get our jobs back. I wonder, you know, and we had sailed one way and burned the ships. There was no back. But I, I, I just needed that encouragement. And Chris, she came to me and she's done this. she did it this afternoon.. <laughs> I pulled my car up on the side and parked and my phone, um, it buzzed. And so I looked real quick and it was Chris and she just had a word for me and I just wrote her back and I said, my whole life, you're the one I've always been able to count on and how much I need you and just, so this is not an unusual thing is I guess what I'm trying to say, but I was just desperate and just like, God, we... We gave everything to come here, and I don't know if it's going to work, and I don't even know if anybody needs us to be here. And so Chris gave me this word at the time. Listen to this. Um, She said, what you need to do is enjoy that the phones aren't ringing right now and enjoy that no one's trying to see you and enjoy that you have this little respite from a busy schedule because a day's going to come when you'll wish you could go back there and have that. And I, I you know, I, she put her whole heart into it, and so I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then she left, I'm like, that, she's so wrong. She just like, <laughs> no one's ever been more wrong than that right there. But she backed it up with this sweet scripture from Zechariah chapter four. It's the first part of the verse, and it reads this way. Listen to this. Do not despise small beginnings. Just think about this. Do not despise small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work what? So look at me real quick. So many times in our life, we're looking for the big enchilada. I need this whole thing to happen for me. I want the entire, I'm a failure if this doesn't happen. It doesn't count. and And so this little small thing, we tend to not have any respect for it. And here's how we disrespect it, by what we say about it. Will despise. Despise doesn't mean to to rant and rave. It means to disrespect with your words. So you wake up in the morning and I tell you, start with, read one chapter right now. Here's how you despise it. That's nothing. What can God do with one chapter? With one word, he can call light out of darkness. With one sentence, he can put the mechanism in order that causes the universe Never to go out of whack. What can God do with five minutes of your time? He can turn your life upside down. And in one year, five years, 40 years, you'll find a life that's gone all in. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise that day in your marriage. Don't despise it with your children. We tend to think if this whole thing doesn't happen instantly it's not going to work, it's, not, it's never going to pay off, it's, it's, uh, it's forsaken, it's not, it's not what I want it to be. That's not how it works. It's the small thing. It's the principle of starting that God respects and begins to use in our life. Here's a formula for failure. If you're going to run a marathon... Never line up with the Kenyans. <laughs> Think about it for just a minute. So I watched last week the Boston Marathon. Okay, they put all these marathons on TV. Again, I watched them thinking, hmm, maybe I could do that right there. And then I buy a visor and I'm, I'm good. Um, so they showed uh, the, the professionals that can run the race in, uh, you know, in world-class time they don't run with 80,000 people. They have their own starting time because the other ones will get in their way. So they put them as a group together, and usually at the top of the pack are the Kenyans. They train at, you know, twelve and 13,000 feet, and their lung capacity is incredible, man. And they're running You know, there was a time when a four-minute mile seemed to be impossible, and Bannister breaks that, and after he broke it, when everyone thought it could never be done, one guy breaks it, and then people start doing it left and right because one was able to do it. So the Kenyans, when they train, (laughs) they run 26 miles at an incredible pace. If you're going to start a marathon, never line up with people who are professionals, Line up with people who are in the place that you are and start with what you can handle, mm-hmm. not with what a professional does. And I think what I get guilty of sometimes is as a professional, I'll stand up and go, we all need to go all in, and I'm basing it on what I think all is. All in is. And I'm the Kenyan of pastors. Oh, come on. That was... I, you know, I thought to myself, is it worth the risk? And uh, it wasn't. So... Um, Note, note to self and other teachers. Never compare yourself to a professional. OK. Um, <laughs> how about this? Growth takes time. No question about that, and that's where most people struggle is how much time it takes. But the Bible gives us a guarantee, a guarantee. If you knew on the other side of what you're doing that it was guaranteed, no matter how you feel right now, no matter what you see around you, no matter, you know, you think, hey, this is never gonna pay off. But if there was a guarantee and the guarantee comes from God himself, then, then you can have faith in the fact that at some point, if I continue to, to sow and do the small thing, it's going to pay off. Genesis eight twenty two. So from the very beginning book of the Bible, thousands and thousands of years ago, God speaks forth a mechanism of how the earth will work for believers, non-believers, any generation, any country, any people. This is a universal principle that works, and it has to do with small and a guarantee of a harvest. Look at this: as long as the earth remains. Yep. So, just, just I want you to think about this real quick. This is not for um, uh, for five generations. As long as this earth is here. And is spinning on its axis. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and what? Harvest. Look at me. This is God guaranteeing that if you'll just simply start with the small, this principle pays off in your life. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and day. Night. There is a promise in that right there that you can base your life on and that you can get a guarantee about what God wants to do in your life. Growth takes time, but there's a guarantee that it will produce a harvest in your life. Here's the second one. Okay, so we're talking about how change happens, what it means to go all in, what does it look like, how do we get there. The parable of the seed starts small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You'll get to the bigger thing. Here's the second one, the benefit of a teacher. Now, this one I am going to compare myself a little bit because I feel like I've earned the right to do this. The benefit of a teacher. Jesus himself teaching again on what a teacher does in our lives says this right here. Students are not greater than their what? Master. Master. (laughs) Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become what? like the teacher. So the principle is just simply Jesus is saying that in all of our lives, I heard a guy describe it this way. He called it a law uh, of a lid. And he said over our lives, every one of us, there's a lid and the lid is determined by who you listen to and who you listen to is teaching you who is leading the way in your life. Because here's the principle. The student can't be greater than the teacher, but when the student has learned everything, they become like the teacher. So if you don't have a good teacher in your life, it means ultimately that you're not gonna do good. That's what he's teaching. And if you have good teachers in your life, plural, then you do good. Do you see that in that scripture right there? So if you want to do good, and what it means to grow and to go all in you need to have good teachers in your life. So the benefit of a teacher is that mentors, ultimately, when you have them in your life, and I've said this this before, I don't know if you picked this up, uh, you learn in life through two different uh, faculties. You can learn through a mentor, or you can learn through mistakes. Which one do you think is easier? And what do you think mentors teach? their mistakes. So exactly. So a mentor can take you through something and if you find good teachers, good mentors, good good people who are in front of you, they lead the way, they pull you up, they're calling you, they're drawing you, they're encouraging you, they're pushing you, exhorting you, they're doing whatever it takes to get you to move forward into that thing right there. So how about this right here? And I've got mentor many mentors I've never met. Some of them are authors of books Amen. that I'll never get to sit down with and look across the table and talk to, but they have taught me so much. So, uh, I, I mean, think of all, all the books in your life that you, you might have read, spiritually speaking, where a person talked about a concept or, or something that they understood or experienced God in, that when you read it, it opened your mind and allowed you to move forward into that thing right there. That's what a teacher does for you. And then there are the teachers that you can touch and that you can hear. Look at me. This is why you can't stay home on a weekend and say, I had church with me and God in my living room, or I went to the forest and he and I communed in front of the pine tree. Yes, you can, you can connect with God anywhere, but God set it up that you need people in your life who are in front of you to draw you and encourage you. And if you don't have it, you get isolated and stuck in life. Think about that for a moment. Some of you have spouses right now who are at home who are stuck because they won't come and listen to a teacher. You don't have to say amen to that. I, I get it. But it's the truth of the matter. So the benefit of a teacher is that it draws you up and it causes you to grow. How about this? We all need teachers. Everybody needs a pastor. Pastors need pastors. I have a pastor. And My pastor is, is a much older man and I worked for him at one point in my life and he's retired now, but he's the guy that I can call and say, what do I do about? Or how do I do this? Or have you ever struggled with this? Or have you ever tried to, to, to do this? What did you do? His, his advice, his information, the place that I give him in my life makes it easy for me. Do you understand what I just said? If you give someone the place in your life if you'll let them be your teacher it makes it easier for you you can you can move light years ahead okay uh, I'll give you I'll give you an example I got to play golf uh, fairly recently at Pebble Beach okay and the so US Open's going to be there next month so they're getting the course ready for the US Open and um, so the fairways are half the, any golfer in here they're half the size that they normally are and the rough right now was four and a half inches and it's going to be six inches. And I, I tend to think just like what I said about a marathon. I think my golf game could compete with a pro. I just don't have the opportunity. And so I went to Pebble to give myself the opportunity. I'm going to play on a course that a pro plays. And I, it was horrible. It was beautiful, but it was horrible. And I had a caddy and the caddy finally, I think it was on hole 11 and it's just gorgeous. And, He finally just stops, and he said, John, uh," he said, this isn't going well. It's nothing like an honest teacher. This isn't going well. And he said, can I give you some advice? And that, listen, your answer to that question is everything. Because if you're like, you cannot give me any advice, it doesn't matter what he knows. It's not going to help you. And in fact, it aggravates you. And I finally was at a point where I'm like, tell me something something. So he he if you're not a golfer you won't. But he I, I'm 180 yards and he says take your hybrid. And to try to get out of this rough you can't get there with an iron. You're not strong enough. Oh, that burned me. That just frustrated me. Just swing nice and easy and it runs down on the green and the people I'm playing with like a golf clap. And I feel so good. One shot. And I feel so good. Told you I could compete with any pro out here on this on this thing. So my point simply is this, if you will if you will trust yourself to a teacher, someone who has knowledge and someone who knows more than you know, that maybe is just a little bit ahead of you, the result in your life is terrific for you. It's terrific for you. What it did for me, just allowing me after one success, then the rest of the time, I'm asking his opinion. What do you think about this? What should I do about this? Where His knowledge about where to put the ball and where not to be was just, it was incredible. And it was so important and it helped me have a better experience. All of us need teachers. All right, here's the comparison of something that I felt like the Lord said to me. And uh, maybe I should have just pondered it in my heart like Mary did when the Holy Spirit spoke to her. But uh, I'm gonna take a chance with it, okay? Teachers are needed and awesome but there's a level above a teacher that God can do in your life and he actually calls it a father. So Paul actually talks about this principle and I'll just throw something out to you. Uh, It's from 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Even if you had 10,000 others, to what? Let's do it one more time. To what? To teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. And I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So Paul is just simply saying, here's a principle. Uh, One of the translations says, you have many teachers, but you have few fathers. Okay. I'm 21 years here. I did something right. I did something right. Um, I know I still look fairly youthful but I'm actually the elder statesman in our area now. There's not a pastor in any church in our area that's pastored longer in this community than me. Let's just listen. Yeah, I I I'm not bragging and I'm not I'm not like, hey, you know, look at me. I'm just saying I feel like I feel like my I'm in thirds in my ministry and I'm in the last third of my ministry here. And I feel like the next 12, 15 years, whatever God will allow it to be, that this last third, the first was about establishing it, and the second was about the teacher part, and this last part is the transition to a spiritual father. And regardless of your age and your place in life, my role here is to be a spiritual leader, and I think now transitioning to a father. Will you let me be your pastor? I've asked that through the years, time after time, and I'm not sure that people understand why why I need your agreement is that I cannot help you unless you agree to let me teach you. If you don't give me that place in your life, I cannot get you. And so if you say, well, you're too young. When I started the church, I I was 34, and I was so intimidated to stand up here every week and to look at, like... Larry Paul, and think <laughs> he's, he's served God longer than I've been alive. And I, what can I teach him? And Larry put himself in a position to let me be his leader. And so it's a double honor thing, where this man that I incredibly respect and honor with more knowledge than I know I have, and yet he's placed me intentionally... In a place in his life, it's been so good for so many years, man. God gave he and Nancy a home here and then more than a home. A position here and then a place of such respect and honor. And that would never happen if Larry had not said, you can be my pastor and you can be this person in my life. And they, all people in our church and my whole staff is like this. Larry and Nancy so honor me. And God has done such a great thing in their life because there's a spiritual principle in that right there. And I'm just, I'm saying to you right now, that one of the missing elements in our, not our world, well maybe our world, but for sure in our community, is that people today can interchange pastors like they're like running out of ink in a pen. You just throw it away and move on to the next thing. And that is not how it's supposed to be. And no person is perfect and no church falls into that category. And for sure, there are times when God opens the door and it's time for you to be released. I'm, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But it's not supposed to be just like, hey, I don't like that or I don't, so I'm just going someplace else. Give me place in your life to be your pastor for your sake. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what the Bible actually says Two people, when it comes to their pastor, cooperate with your leaders because they have care for your soul and it actually makes your life easier. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it says. It makes your life easier. It makes mine easier too. (laughs) I'll give you the third one and then we're done. The power of an action. The power of an action. So the parable of the seed, benefit of a teacher, the power of an action... This is one of my favorite scriptures from the Old Testament. Um, I believe in this principle. And uh, this is Joshua who proclaims to the children of Israel this, uh, this piece, this genius. Choose. Say it with me. Choose. The power of choice. When you say, you know, I don't have any choice. Man, you're agreeing with the enemy. You do have a choice. How your life turns out, you have a choice. Choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates back in Egypt? Need to go to the next slide. There we go. Uh, Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living? And then he makes this statement. As for me and my house, my family, we will serve the Lord. Choose, make a choice, decide what you're going to do to remain in a place of neutrality. Jesus even said this, man, if you stay in that place, if you're not for us, you're against us. You can't stay in that neutral place and expect your life to go the direction that you want. There is power in the smallest action. What we choose daily creates our destiny over time. When he says, choose you today, not choose you for the next 50 years, choose today. Make a choice today. When you wake up, make a choice to read your Bible for five minutes. Make a choice to talk to God. Make a choice to use your resources first for the kingdom of God. The smallest action God uses in a tremendously powerful way. Listen to this real quickly. I've never used this this thought this way, and and the Lord showed me something this week that might be key for you. I had a conversation with a guy uh, in his 80s in very poor health who um, was very discouraged and I think embittered and maybe rightfully so. He was embittered about where his life was, what he was going through. His life did not turn out like he thought. In fact, he said this, I don't think I fulfilled my destiny. Do you know how hard it is at the end of your life to ask that question? Ask that question today. Am I going the direction that I, because it's, we always think at the end, I'll turn around and see. That's not how it works. You create your destiny with the question you ask today. So listen to this. This is the, so I'm trying to encourage him and I'm telling it's not too late, man. God can use, he can use today. Give him today. And this is what the guy says to me. He said, I'm too old and it's too late for me. That's what he said to me. I'm too old. And it's too late for you. Now, look, I do, on one hand, I do understand this, right? And I'm, it's, there's no hype in this. He's not 25, and he's, he doesn't have the time of compound interest. So the decisions that he is making today, here's how the, the kingdom of God works. Spiritually speaking, salvation, you, you can serve God from the time you're 5, And God gives you the gift of salvation or you can come to him in the last five minutes of your life and God will give you the same pay, the gift of salvation. But what happens inside of your life, the decisions that you make when you're 55 do add up when you're 85. Do you agree with that? So it is very hard to change your life and see the fruit in your life. But salvation and fruit are two different things. And Jesus taught this principle. I don't know if you ever considered this, so I'll show you the one scripture, but let me give you the parable real quick. It's the parable, one of the parables of the vineyard owner. And he says, um, he, he compares himself as a vineyard owner and he says the vineyard owner is going away on a trip. So he hires people to come in the work in the vineyard while he's gone. So he hired some first thing in the morning and he agrees on a price with them. And then he hires some people at noon and he agrees on the same price. With them, And then he hires some people in the evening and he pays them the same thing as he paid the people who worked all day. And then the people who worked all day came to the landowner and they said to him, this seems unfair to us. We worked all day long and you pay us exactly what you pay the people who only worked a couple of hours. And Jesus said these words. Listen to this. He said, what is it to you if I spend my money the way that I want to? He said, we agreed on a price, and I paid you, friend, exactly what I said I would pay you. So what difference does it make to you if I give someone else who worked less the same amount as I gave you? And it seems on the surface, what an unfair thing for Jesus to talk about. That doesn't seem fair. But in light of salvation, he's trying to teach that you don't have to do this at 20 in order to get salvation. You can do it at 80 and get salvation because it's him who's giving the gift. And the one verse that brings it together, these people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. It's just a principle that Jesus gives salvation to everyone whenever they ask for it. But the way your life turns out they're two different things. And the decisions that you are making today do add up over time to give you the life that you're going to live. The only reason I throw that in there is that maybe you sit here today and you think to yourself, it's too late for me. I did all the wrong things. And I've lived the wrong way. And I've gone my own way. And Pastor, if you knew, you wouldn't be so easily to say that, that I can have God's mercy. Friend, the reason that scripture is in the Bible is because God offers his mercy to who he offers his mercy to. And if you want it, you can have it. It's not too late. If you hear me talking, it's not too late for you. But I won't fool you. Man, if you have lived by principles that are messed up and you are at the end of your life, no, there's not a magic wand that waves and suddenly makes everything boom. But salvation, salvation. That's different. And I think maybe the only reason I bring this up is that I think people think that the gospel is like some kind of a magic wand that's waved over our lives. and thats It's principles that we live our lives by. Yes. Salvation's never too late. Principles, start them now while you can. How about this? Tomorrow morning, give God the first part of your time. Give him the first prayer that comes out of your mouth. Instead of giving yourself to worry, give yourself to faith tomorrow morning. Instead of giving yourself to anger, give yourself to praise tomorrow morning. The smallest principle, the smallest principle, God uses in a tremendous way. And it's a little seed that goes in the ground that no matter if you're paying attention to it or not, it begins to grow and grow and grow. And then you'll look and someday go, wow, how did this happen? God's good. That's how it happens. God's good. So Father, I started as wide as I can to throw a net out right now to try to catch as many fish as I can. As many fish as I can. And as we go through the weeks, we'll go a little more narrow and be specific on uh, on important things that we do individually that we can go all in with. But today, It's just, what does it mean? How do we do that? What's what's it look like? And it begins with the smallest of things. The kingdom of God starts as the smallest of seed and then becomes the most incredible force. And so I guess when I finished writing my message, in my mind, I saw two people two groups of people. The first one were people that maybe have lived their lives without God and you've done maybe your own thing and you've gone your own way and uh, here's why this is a good weekend for you. At the end of the day, God offers you the same wages that he paid to the people who have walked with him all along. And that if you need salvation, you need his mercy and you need his grace and you need his love, then he offers it to you right where you are right now. And rather than saying it's too late for me, I wished I would have done that 15 years ago. Rather than getting that mindset, I think this specifically is geared to to be a hand that, that opens to you and God offers friendship to you and offers to you mercy. And here's what makes mercy great. We didn't deserve mercy, but he offers us mercy. And friend, if that's you and you say, Pastor, man, that's, that just it speaks to my heart. You're talking to me. And I want to come in the kingdom right now at the place that I am in life. And when I pray, if I've got your heart when I'm praying, then I want you to agree with me when I'm praying. I want you to agree with me. I think the second part of it is just the power of right now. The second group of people is just to get that right now. Maybe God is speaking to you about just the smallest of things. Maybe you feel like, I I don't know how to go all in. I don't know if I can go all in. My time is so leveraged and my resources are are so maxed. And the demand from my family, my friends, my job. Pastor, I just, I don't know how I could ever All in doesn't have to look like me. All in is a decision right now. God, I want to give you what I have, not what I don't have, what I have right now. It's the smallest of seed. And if I'm talking to you, and you just identify in your heart, then when I pray, agree with me. Don't disagree. Give me that place right now and agree with me. So, Father, over these two groups, for those who come to the kingdom late, who come to the kingdom at the end of the day, not at the beginning of the day, who come to the kingdom in the twilight as it's getting dusk, who come to the kingdom not as a child and necessarily as a young but you come to the kingdom just at the place that you are right now and if you need God's grace and you need his mercy if you want the life that he offers then agree with me right now say yes, yes, yes I need that I want that God help me, those are maybe the easiest words to speak. Help me, be merciful to me. And if that's you, just agree right now, yes. The second group, it's just the smallest of thing right now. God's not asking for what you don't have. What's in your hand right now? You got five minutes in the morning? You got a whisper of a song that you can sing? Do you have a few minutes when I say amen to lift your voice? What's within your hand right now? Because it's a seed that's powerful in the kingdom. Whatever God would speak to you about. Yes. Yes. Make a decision today. Choose today. While it's still called today. Father, whatever, whatever. I just agree with you. I want to give you the first, and I want to give you what I have. God, I know where I want to be, and I can't get to where I want to be today I can make a decision to give you what I have right this moment. The breath in my lungs, I'm going to praise you in just a second. And when my eyes open in the morning, the first part of my day, I'm going to give to you. God, as I go throughout my day, I want to arrange it as such that, God, I'm looking at you first as I'm walking and going. That little decision is so powerful. God, thank you for helping us right now. And thank you for your mercy over our lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, amen.